Welcome to the Limitless Mindset Podcast. This podcast will teach you to acquire superhuman mental abilities and hack your reality. This is Jonathan, and in today's episode of the podcast, we're going to be doing something very special. We're going to be talking with Dr. Mark A. Smith, who is a neuroscientist, and he's currently living in Cyprus in the Mediterranean, and he has a really interesting company called IQ Mindware. And so we're going to be talking a little bit about neuroplasticity and about working memory and about how software can actually affect the efficiency of those systems working in our mind. How are you doing today, Dr. Smith? Uh, very good. Nice to meet you, Jonathan. And you just uh, you just said you finished a run, correct? Uh, that's right. Yes, just got back. That's great because we were we did an episode a couple of episodes back on neuroplasticity, and that was one of the main things that I heard over and over and over from the different sources that we were researching was that frequent cardiovascular activity um, in combination with some other stuff that we're going to be talking about in this interview is very yeah. important to maintaining and maximizing our level of neuroplasticity. Uh, that's absolutely right. Yeah, it's, if I were to recommend one thing to enhance cognitive function, um, it would be to run regularly or do some sort of exercise regularly. Uh, it's, it's very good for the brain. So the way that we're going to be doing this interview is that the software that Dr. Smith's company produces it has a, if I'm correct, it has approximately, it's a, it, it takes a commitment of four weeks of very consistent use of the software. And after those four weeks, you should start to see some real noticeable, quantifiable results, correct? Uh, yeah. I mean, it varies from individual to individual. Um, four weeks will catch everyone. Uh, some people see, you know, significant, you know, very substantial gains within about 10 weeks, I'd say. Uh, not usually less than that. 15 weeks, you really should begin to see the effects kicking in. And certainly by 20 weeks, you know, you'll see really significant cognitive effects. I, I actually found you by Google searching how to increase neuroplasticity, which is, which is a pretty good thing for you because that's what, that's what you want to come up for on Google, correct? That's right. Yeah, it's probably not a coincidence, either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. May, maybe a little bit of SEO going on there, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> excellent, uh, excellent. Well, well, so, well that, that's great. So we always like to begin our interviews by, first of all, asking our, our interview subjects to tell us something interesting about themselves. Um, okay, uh, something interesting about myself. Well, um, I'm interested, I'm a cognitive neuroscientist, that's my training, 
And unlike a lot of other cognitive neuroscientists, I'm interested in aspects of what you could loosely call sort of biohacking or, um, I don't know, mind hacking. So I'm interested in understanding the theories about things like intelligence um, and then through understanding the theories to then, you know, develop technologies um, to, you know, exploit that understanding to try and enhance the processes or um, improve them if there's some sort of deterioration or something like that. So I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in like the, uh, the, the getting into the, the brain processes at a, at a, at experimental biohacking kind of way. And I think that's, that's fairly unusual with academic, uh, neuropsychologists and, uh, cognitive psychologists. Okay. And did you see the movie Limitless? I did. Yeah. I loved it. And what was your favorite part of that movie? Uh, I suppose, like most people, after he took the uh, tablets and started seeing the phenomenal gains, um, you know, just unfolding, you know, like um, giving him all these special powers, I found that really quite exciting. And that movie came out in 2011. Did you guys have IQ, Mindware, and this software at the time that the movie came out, or was it before or after? Uh, yeah, we did. And um, uh, are you, you're going to ask if we um, had more interest in the software after the movie came out? Or, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm curious if there was a correlation there. Yeah, I think there was a bit of a spike in, uh, in people's interest in the software, yeah. And so tell me a little bit about... Tell me, tell me some more about, you know, uh, most of our, I'm sure, I'm sure the vast majority of our listeners have heard of Cambridge University, um, but we don't, uh, but, but probably not all of us know exactly what it is that a person has to go through to get their neuroscience doctorate. And what, so what was kind of the journey that you went on from the time that you decided that you wanted to be a neuroscientist and the time that you started started working <clears throat> on this particular software. Uh, okay. In fact, uh, just uh, correct you there, the, I got my doctorate degree from Carnegie Mellon and University of Pittsburgh uh, in a program called uh, the Center for the Neural Basis of Cognition, CNBC. Okay. And, uh, so that's a, you know, that's a really competitive program. It's up there with Cambridge. Um, so that was where my training was. And... Um, and then I went on to become a lecturer at Cambridge University later in the psychology department, experimental psychology department. Um, so if we're going back to, you know, getting the PhD in cognitive neuroscience, it's actually a, it's like a double PhD. Uh, so you can imagine it was, uh, it's a pretty kind of backbreaking process. Um, and, um, you know, it's a major, major commitment to get a degree in a field like that. Um, and unless you're... Major financial commitment as well, I imagine. It's, uh, yeah, I was teaching and had a scholarship. Actually, I got onto a scholarship as I came out there and supplemented that with, uh, with teaching. So the finances were okay, but I mean, just, just in terms of the sheer amount of work and commitment to get through the program... Uh, particularly an interdisciplinary program, which that was, uh, was was really fairly traumatic. Um, I'd say a lot of I'd say a lot of neuroscientists would be almost described as uh, masochistic. You know, they're, they're they're so dedicated to their work 
Um, and the discipline is, you know, so intense. Uh, it's almost verging on masochism. Son, that's that, that's that, that's funny. It's a little bit of a uh, what is it? A little bit of a, a martyr complex coming into play of you know sacrificing yourself on the the altar of these uh, you know these extremely lofty exactly. Uh, scholastic. Exactly. I mean, I think uh, that's that's certainly the case. I mean, there's there aren't you know there aren't too many sort of um, uh, I don't know parts associated with it. I mean, they're just like pretty dedicated, spending most of their time in labs. I mean, that's neuroscientists. Um, so I've got a lot of respect for that kind of self-sacrifice for sure. But you've made the, it seems like you've, for the most part, made the transition from that whole academic world to the to being an entrepreneur and producing yeah. the software with the you know with the objective of helping people to sharpen their minds and That's increase right. their neuroplasticity. Yeah, so I mean, it's almost like you know people have the analogy of um, what is it? You know, formal dance and then like improvising and becoming you know. Uh, more sort of expressionist or whatever. So, I mean, I've, you know, that formal training has certainly put me in good stead to then now develop this scientifically rigorous software. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a head of a department now in a, in a university here in Cyprus, in the psychology department. I'm developing a uh, research laboratory here, you know. Um, so I've got full-time commitments as an active researching psychologist here in Cyprus. But, you know, I'm dividing my time equally between that and developing uh, this um, IQ Mindware. And there are a number of products actually being developed right now. Um, the IQ Mindware is one of them. We're working on another one uh, relating to decision-making and more effective decision-making. Uh, so those are the two major ones. And what is that one going to be named? Uh, that one is, well, it's... Uh, coming out under Strategy Mindware. That's the overall kind of umbrella uh, company for that. Um, so we're, we're coming out with one or two products under Strategy Mindware. Okay, cool. And so how long has IQ Mindware been in development for? IQ Mindware has been in development for about three years now. And so if we so if we go over to your website, which is iqmindware.com, and we or, see... Yeah, or uh, highiqpro.com. That's the other one, yeah. Okay, and we see that there's these three different software packages, and they're priced a little bit differently. Explain to me a little bit more what's the difference between them, because the, the, a lot of the descriptions were somewhat similar, so explain to me a little bit more if our listeners are on your website and they're deciding which one, which one to get, what's, uh, what's the competitive advantages or comparative between those yeah. three. Okay, um, well, the two major ones, I mean, the best sellers are High IQ Pro and i3. And High IQ Pro is um, something that, that, well, both of them essentially have the same uh, basic working memory training exercise uh, that gives you the guaranteed 10 to 20 point IQ, IQ increase. So they both have that same functionality. Um, High IQ Pro. Uh, focuses in addition to that on a subset of the factors of IQ uh, called fluid intelligence. So it's got a bunch of exercises uh, that focus on sort of reasoning and problem-solving ability, which is seen as the core, the absolute core of IQ and intelligence. 
Um, so it's really just focusing on the core there for High IQ Pro. It's also just recently integrating a um, sort of a um, you know uh, com uh, user database, so you can compare your scores with other users as you're going along, uh, which i3 doesn't have at this point. I3 um, has, in addition, exercises for the other factors of IQ. Um, there are sort of five basic factors and then combinations of So it's also got training for verbal intelligence, uh, visual intelligence, uh, quantitative intelligence, and some general intelligence puzzles. So it's a more kind of comprehensive set of puzzles to work through. Um, but the basic training for both is the same, and if you're pressed for time and you want to be a bit proficient in your training, then we'd really recommend IQ Pro. Okay, and what's the time commitment that people should be considering to realistically get some results from this? Well, it's a 20-day it's a commitment, and you can take, you know, two-day weekends off every five days, uh, you can basically take a day or two off um, every few days, um, but you're talking about a 20-day commitment. And approximately and it's, it's, how... It's, it's, it's about 20, 20 minutes to half an hour for each training session. Really? So that's, 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 that's very reasonable. We're not talking about... In my mind, that's not a huge commitment to have to make to see some results in actually increasing your IQ and your ability to reason. Well, that's right. I mean, uh, you know, if you're talking about 20 minutes a day for 20, de uh, 20 days uh, to increase your IQ maybe 15 points, I mean, that's <laughs> that's a pretty good deal. Um, that's a good payoff. Uh, I mean, we've had, you know, we've had customers who've been able to join Mensa as a result of their training. They've done better on SAP uh, tests. They've um, functioned better at work. Their productivity's increased. Um, we've got, you know, we've got like biohackers like Dave Asprey and um, some of these other guys who um, who are interested in overall kind of cognitive efficiency and brain performance, and they've benefited from it. So, I mean, there are lots of uh, great benefit from it from enhancing cognition generally. So I so you sent me the software and I took the Anders Jensen IQ test and yeah. I also took the JCTI and yeah. what I got on the IQ test was I scored 100 on the IQ test and I scored 102 on the JCTI. So I'm like a super average person as far as my as far as my scoring on those tests was my understanding of of that that's that correct? Yeah, I mean that's uh that's an average score uh, and uh, what that also shows is those two tests are valid tests. You know, there aren't many tests out there that give you a a consistent result. I mean, and you know, uh, getting that result is, um, you know, it's informative. I wouldn't read too much into it because, for example, if you were to do a an advanced Ravens matrices test, which is a clinical version of a test like that, okay, um, you're given about four practice questions, okay, and you work through the practice questions, and that gives you a kind of an edge in terms of your learning about that particular type of puzzle. Uh, to sort of, you know, increase your score a little bit. So you came into that fresh. My sister also got 100. Uh, she's very intelligent. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't be too concerned about that. But 
they are valid tests, you know, so that is informative and it'll be interesting to see, you know, how you do as a result of the training. Yeah, well, I, I thought about that for, for, a, for a minute. I was just a little bit disappointed in myself that I didn't score higher. But the more I thought about it, it that makes me an excellent uh, kind of guinea pig case study because I'm, I'm statistically Absolutely. very, very average. So on, on the website, what you have is you have a, a money back guarantee, which is actually yeah. pretty bold, in my opinion, of a 10 to 20 point IQ increase. And and a 40% working memory increase. So mm -hmm. someone like myself, I could anticipate, just to make sure I'm understanding the, the, to make sure I'm understanding and communicating the value proposition here correctly yeah. to our listeners, I could anticipate an increase of some of being somewhere in like the 120 point range um, after about 20 days of trying this, is the, uh, of using the software consistently for about 20 minutes a day. Is that correct? Yeah, you, you, can, you can realistically expect that. Maybe 115 to 120. All right. Now, when I took the IQ and the JCTI, it seemed yeah. to me that these tests were about pattern recognition and spatial intelligence for the most part. And so, you know, obviously like, you know, like anyone that's considering, you know, these this type of software to increase their 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 intelligence, the end result is, you know, what are the, you know, how is this going to help me in my practical day-to-day -day life? How is this going to help help me in the in my career? How is this going to help me in the really uh mentally demanding things that I have to do in my life? Yeah. And so for me personally, Dr. Smith, the I would say the two most demanding areas of my life where I'd like to see some improvement is that for my uh, for my day job, so to speak, I operate a small web development web strategy firm, and so I'm so my technical skill set is with these open source pieces of software. And I've got actually about 9,000 different open source pieces of software that I kind of combine together and make them work together to accomplish my client's goals. Mm -hmm. So I'm essentially kind of like a... A lot of times I tell people that I'm kind of like a remixer is that I go and take one, you know, of these different pieces and I put them together on the internet to accomplish my client's goals. That's one part of my job. The second thing I'm doing sales stuff. I consider myself to be, I definitely consider myself to be a salesperson. I'm doing negotiation throughout the day with different vendors and different people that I do business with. <clears throat> and then I'm also doing a lot of listening to my clients trying to make sure that I'm completely understanding their goals for their business and then presenting solutions to meet those goals. So does the IQ levels and the working memory and the fluid intelligence that that, mm -hmm. that the that the software that IQ Mindware produces, is that gonna translate over to the types of to the types of things that I spend my day in, in my work and in my business doing? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You're a perfect candidate, actually. It's uh, it's putting a smile on my face just hearing what you're doing. Because, <laughs> um, you see, what what this software targets is working memory, and working memory technically 
is uh, involves tasks that require some sort of goal-oriented, active monitoring or manipulation of information or behaviors, particularly if there are distractions around. Okay, so it's sort of integrating information, processing it, updating it, retrieving it in a kind of scratch pad. That's what working memory is. And so your first job involves uh, the need for a big capacity for that scratch pad so that you can, like, you know, gather a lot of information into that scratch pad and manipulate it on the fly in real time, uh, updating it, making decisions, problem solving, discarding, uh, and generally processing uh, that information. And that's exactly what this working memory uh, training is targeting and should enhance. So that's for your first job. For your second uh, job, uh, it's great because working memory underlies language and language comprehension and production. And if you think about language comprehension and production, it's something that needs this scratch pad to hold that information as we process information linguistically. Um, the bigger the capacity is, the more of that language information that you can process, hold in mind, and then formulate spontaneously intelligent responses to your clients or whoever. So um, both of those jobs you've got should benefit tremendously from the training. Really? And would you say that the software would also help someone? I, I, I found it interesting that you were talking about language comprehension. Would it yeah. also help someone that was learning a second language? Well, um, we haven't done any studies on that. Um, I'm just committing myself to trying to learn uh, a second language, and so it'll be interesting to see in my own case how it, how it goes. But I haven't I haven't actually heard any feedback from users about learning a second language, and that would be something I'd be fascinated by. I would imagine if you're uh, learning a language in which you'll have your you're sitting there with a grammar, and your approach is initially to try and learn a grammar, learning the rules, and then practicing with the rules. So you're working with rule sets. I would say if you're working with rule sets while you're learning a language, then this software will greatly benefit that. Now, a rule set, explain that a little bit more, what you mean by that. Okay, a rule set is just, uh, you know, you've got some um, grammatical rule that you're trying to implement. So, for example, uh, you know, transferring some present tense into past tense or something like that. or um, using Conjugations. Gestures. Conjugations, this kind of thing. So if you're taking that kind of an approach, a grammatical approach to learning language, uh, a more analytical approach, then this software will benefit that. Interesting. Okay. And Dr. Smith, what language are you, what second language are you picking up right now? Uh, Turkish. Really? Turkish? Yeah. Uh, and that would make sense. Is, is Turkish the primary language spoken in Cyprus? That, well, in, the nor in northern Cyprus it is, yeah. Uh, really? It's an interesting country. It's an interesting country. It's, it's sort of divided between the north and the south, and we move between the two. But uh, in the north they speak Turkish, and it's a Turkish community. In the south they speak Greek, it's a Greek community. And is Turkish is would that be considered a uh, would that be considered one of the Islamic uh, languages or is that a European influenced language? Um, I think it's part of an Indo. I think it's a well. Having said that, it's more related, I think, to 
it's a Turkic language, and I think it may be related to Finnish more closely than some other languages. I, I'm not sure it's an Indo-European language, I'm pretty sure, but it's it's much more closely related to some strange varieties of, of, of uh, Indo-European uh, languages like Finnish. So it's, it's basically not much at all like English, and that makes it quite a difficult language to learn. Gotcha. Well, I, I'm returning to Panama and going to visit Colombia here in about a month. So I predict, I, you know, I'm going to be do, I'm going to be using this software during that time. And I'm, I, I'm kind of one of those, those people that I can like, if I go to like a pub or a coffee shop, I can strike up a conversation yep. with Spanish and with anyone in Spanish and get the point across. But I would really yep. like to step up my, my technical understanding of the That's language right. so that I'm not just doing an injustice to the grammar of that language yep. whenever I'm talking yep. with someone. So I will, when I return to Panama, I, I will definitely be you know, using the software. So hopefully I can include that as part of my case study. That's great. On the, I'd love to hear uh, the experience with it. Yeah, yeah totally. Well, I tell you, okay, you know, I got a, I had a quote here and it's a, it's actually a quote from, I believe one of your competitors, Dr. Smith. It's the uh, quote from Dr. Dr. Michael Merzenich. And he said that, Brain exercise may be as useful as drugs to treat diseases as severe as schizophrenia. 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 Yeah. That plasticity yeah. exists from cradle to the grave, and that radical improvements in cognitive functioning, how we learn, think, perceive, and remember, are possible even in the elderly. And so yeah. you're probably very familiar with Dr. Michael Merzenich, correct? Uh, yeah, I think he's the guy in positive science. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's correct, yeah. and so I've seen I've seen a couple of his talks. Yeah. So I, I'm curious. I what's kind of the what are some competitive advantages between your software and well, well, first of all, I obviously checked out his website for Posit Science, and you know he's certainly a a, a impressive character in the whole, whole world of neuroplasticity research. But when I was on his website, his website just did not seem to give me very much complete information about. Yeah. Um, about what Posit Science did and what the software did, um, yeah. and it also didn't even really give me very much clear information about how much his software costed. So I, so, so, I, so I'm wondering if you can make some comparison, you know, give some some comparisons of some competitive advantages that your software has, because there are some other software packages out there on the market. And to be honest. You're the first person that I've interviewed because I thought your website did <clears throat> the best job of explaining the, well, the value you. proposition behind it. And as I said earlier in the podcast, you know, you do have a pretty bold value proposition for mm. your software that if people don't, you know, get real noticeable yeah. results that you'll give them, you know, a hundred percent of their money back, which I think is, yeah, yeah. I think is a pretty, a pretty good proposition. So explain that a little bit, a bit as well, please. Uh, okay. As regards positive science, um, I can't give you a detailed response to that because I haven't trained with their software, but I know um, that 
it doesn't uh, target IQ. It doesn't target intelligence and um, you know enhancing or increasing intelligence levels. I think it's more to do with uh, attention. I mean, I think they focus on attention. They focus on various types of discrimination for attention mechanisms. And um, I think it's pretty good software for you know uh, developing attentional discrimination. And um, but it just doesn't do the same thing, um, and it's expensive. <laughs> okay, so that's that's uh, what I know about posit science. Um, I know people who have used both posit science and the IQ mindware, and um, you know, they for for IQ for working memory, they uh, they use the IQ mindware. Um, so the second part of your question was what? So I, okay, so I was on. So just so you, just so our listeners know, the software the, the the software that IQ Mindware produces it starts at your your most least exp, or your, your I guess your lowest priced is yeah. the uh, is the brain power with the N back, and yeah. that starts at uh, twenty four ninety nine. For a single user license, and then for the i3, it goes up to about sixty dollars for a multi-user license. So that was one of the reasons why <clears throat> I was interested in what you've got here, is because it's it's pretty affordable for yeah. for most people. Whereas when I was looking around at some of the other software out there, there was stuff that was going up to several hundred dollars. And so you know that's well, that's that's, right, that's quite yeah. an investment if there's not a, yeah. a guarantee or if people don't know exactly what kind of results they can expect from it. Yeah, I, no, I'd agree. I think it's several hundred bucks, yeah, for positive signs. And now, uh, we're talking about, yeah. Now, something I wanted to ask you about a little bit more is I wanted to ask you what exactly the NBAC is because I've heard... I've heard of the NBAC and the dual NBAC different places out there. And so is, is, is your software the only NBAC out there? What exactly is it? Uh, no, there are, the MBAC is like pretty well the only uh, sort of scientifically uh, proven or demonstrated type of training exercise that increases cognitive function. I mean, it's the only one in 40 years that's been shown to do that. Uh, so there's, you know, there's, there should be a big deal about the MBAC. I mean, it's, it's the exercise out there that uh, in, increases intelligence and the only one. Uh, there may be others, but they haven't been, you know, uh, demonstrated in some peer-reviewed journal, you know, in a lab, uh, in control conditions. So um, it's a big deal. And um, the original MBAC algorithm was developed uh, that showed this, you know, increase in intelligence, the transfer effect, basically, the working memory expansion is what the MBAC does, um, to fluid intelligence, your ability to reason and problem solve. Um, the original study for that was um, published by Yagi and some of her colleagues at University of Michigan back in 2008. And her algorithm is uh, sort of perfectly replicated in the software. Um, now, there's a problem with her algorithm, with that particular algorithm, uh, which is what's called a chunking problem. So a chunking problem means that as you develop your um, ability to perform in this MBAC uh, task, which is essentially sort of updating um, the location of a little square that moves around, as well as letters that stream through audio, um, and try and keep track of a number of locations, 
both in space and audio prior to the position you're at now. Um, it's, it's quite a challenging thing, but as you get better at it, um, it, it it's increasingly demanding. You get uh, an increasing capacity in your working memory. But what can happen with the original algorithm is that you start using little tactics and strategies to do what's called chunking, which means that you're, you're not actually expanding your working memory anymore. You're, you're, you're um, strategically opening up gaps in the stream of information and then catching up rapidly to ensure that you're meeting the criterion to maintain your MBAC level and develop it. And that's, that's not actually, at a, after a certain point, developing and expanding your working memory. So that's really what my software's doing. It's, it's preventing that chunking uh, by a more sort of sophisticated algorithm. And that's the advantage for, uh, you know, to the original MBAC algorithm that's out there. It's also, of course, uh, user-friendly. I mean, there are a couple out there that have been developed by scientists, and you know, they're, they're not developed to be that user-friendly with a, with a good user interface, with relative performance with others, and so on and so forth. So that would, that would be my answer to how, how my software is different and what the MBAC is. Wow. Okay. Fascinating. Well, I tell you what, that for the most part answers the questions and the things that I wanted to chat with you about. Something else that just came to mind, though, is I know that when I was doing the IQ tests and when I've been doing the sessions so far with the software, I like mm -hmm. listening to music. Um, is that what most people do while they're doing the while they're using the software? Oh, wow. So you listen to music while you're training. Yeah, yeah, I was. Um, now, there were some parts of it that, you know, required, you know, that, that, you know, there was audio feedback. And so during those parts, I, I like to turn it down. But, yeah, I, I like to listen to uh, usually, usually like house music um, yeah. was I found like for, for whatever reason that music makes me feel real energetic. So would that, is that okay with that? That's not going to skew the results or, or anything like that, would it? Um, I mean, the trouble is, uh, when you're listening to music, um, it's, it's actually drawing what are called attentional resources to processing that music. So while it's energizing, it's also, to some extent, uh, diluting your attentional focus. Um, and I'm not aware of any cases of you know, people using music while they've been training. I didn't use music when I trained. Um, what I'd recommend you did was try it without the music for uh, two or three days. Compare that to your experiences while using the music and see just from the feeling of it in terms of your own cognition whether you notice there's, you know, a significant difference. Because... After a while, you should begin to feel these cognitive changes. You should, you should feel the clarity and the more efficiency with your processing. And I'm somewhat concerned that if you're listening to music as you're training, that you might get a more diluted effect. Interesting. Okay, I will. I will test that <clears throat> and yeah. include that in our include that in our in our results. Because I know yeah. you know a lot of people, especially a lot of people that are like geeks like you and me yeah. and do a lot of stuff yeah. on the computer. We listen yeah. to compu we listen to music all day while yeah. we're doing these highly demanding problem solving yeah, so activities that our jobs right. require. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So, uh, yeah, you may be pretty habituated to that music. So really what you're saying is it's functioning to kind of increase your motivation level. That's what you're using the music for. Um, and you may have a point there. But what I would do is I'd do that experiment and compare it. If, if I could just add one more thing, I just, oh. um, yeah, yeah, uh, because you, you mentioned neuroplasticity and Merzenich in one of his quotes. Um, I should also point out that there are studies showing very, very clearly that this training, working memory training and the MBAC training, um, increases the density of what are called uh, D1 receptors, their dopamine receptors, in two parts of the brain that are involved in working memory and IQ intelligence, the prefrontal cortex and the parietal cortex. So in terms of the neuroplasticity aspect of it, uh, you're literally growing synapses. Uh, well, you're growing density of receptors in your synapses as you're training. That's something that's very noticeable in laboratory. Wow, that's and that that's that's awesome. That's 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 exactly what we want to accomplish. Yeah, and it, and it's a long-term effect. It's not a short-term effect. Have 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 you done? Well, let's see. What's the best way for me to ask this question? Is there a okay? So in the movie Limitless, when he goes off the drug, he 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 doesn't. He gets really sick, and he he needs to stay on the drug, right? Which is which which is obviously that's that's not a very good thing. Is there when you? I imagine that you've done some very thorough testing on yourself and yeah. in the in the laboratory environment that you have at your work have you tested to see when people go when people are on the software for a certain amount of time once they go off it is there an an eventual do they lose some of what they've gained okay um, and, good question yeah and here's here's how that works i mean okay so what happens is you do your 20 days of training and you get these neuroplasticity changes and you get greater cognitive efficiency. What that results in over the subsequent months, you know, short-term months, over the next few months, is that you develop a whole series of um, habits and new ways of interacting with your environment that uh, match better, are better in sync with your, your newly gained cognitive ability. Okay, so your practices at work that you were talking about should become more efficient, and you should develop habits that reflect on that efficiency. And so because you're now in a different sort of operating environment that's more efficient, that now is something that just cannot be taken away from you. It maintains that IQ level. So this is another way in which um, people are now thinking of cognitive science more. It's called embodied cognition. You know, it's wrong to think of intelligence and what's going on cognitively as something just in your head. It's, it's all about the way that you're interacting with your environment in terms of your workflow, in terms of your productivity, in terms of all the, the habits and stuff that's going on in your daily life and productivity. So that changes as you train over time. And once that's changed, that bootstraps and keeps up that IQ level. So then, yeah, sure, you know, you're not going to have that same intensity that you're going to have in the last days of your training. Um, but there's no going back now, uh, you know, oh, uh, once you've developed these new uh, productivity, new habits. And I would say um, I, what we recommend is that people do sort of top-ups every now and then um, at a much lower intensity if you want to just really enhance and fine-tune, you know, your games. 
but the gains are already there because your habits have changed. Um, so that that would be an answer to you know the long term perspective on this. Um, in terms of withdrawal and the idea of you know limitless, uh, no, there are no. Uh, we've heard no um, you know cases, and there's no. I mean, in my own experience of training and and that of others, I mean, there's been no case of any actual withdrawal or anything negative from stopping training. It's it's not going to make me you know kill kill models in hotel rooms like in the movie. <laughs> uh, no. But you know, I stop after a while. I while though. There's only so much IQ you can need. You know, I mean, that's one thing I found because I I kept training. It was getting, you know, it can almost get, you know, you can reach a point where you you're getting too clever, you know, and um, the, you know, to some extent, you might actually feel you want to tone it down a bit. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, well, excellent. Uh, I tell you what, if any of our listeners want to get in touch with you, so again, your website is iqmindware.com, and yeah. then you're on Twitter and Google+, correct, as well? That's right, yeah, just open up a Google Plus account, and yeah, been on Twitter for a while, and on Facebook, iqmindware. Okay, excellent. And you don't mind if any of our listeners have questions or want to pick your brain on things, if they hit you up on some of those social media platforms? No problem at all. Uh, I've even got a telephone number, I mean, if they're depressing questions. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, certainly up there on Facebook and Twitter and um, Google+. Plus. Excellent. Well, thanks again, Mark. I'm really excited to, uh, to dive into this software. That's great. I'm looking forward to getting your feedback on it. If you would like to try out High IQ Pro or i3 Mindware, please remember to do so through the links on the Limitless Mindset website. That supports the show and enables us to continue to devote the time and resources to bringing you great interviews like the one that we just had with Dr. Mark Smith. Legal Notices if you or someone you know developed or created a concept, piece of content, or idea shared on this show, please email us at info at limitlessmindset.com so we can mention them in the show notes or provide a backlink. We want to give credit where credit is due. As a listener to the Limitless Mindset Podcast, we hope you have and practice common sense. However, since some of the content covered in this show deals with subjects of a health, legal, or business nature, this show is for entertainment purposes. If you need recommendations of doctors, nutritionists, or attorneys to consult before making decisions that may have health or legal repercussions, please email us at info at limitlessmindset.com mindset.com 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 mindset.com